0: Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Please be seated. You know, I have been uh, teaching and preaching the Bible in various ways for over 48 years. And I think that's longer than Pastor Schaff has been alive. (laughs) By one year, it's all right, I still got it. (laughs) I've also been married to the same woman for 48 years. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, It worked. There are times when Deborah will read or hear something about the Bible, and then she will have a revelation. She'll get all excited, she'll come to me and share her revelation, and I will say to her, I've been teaching and preaching that for years, and she will say, Well, it takes people like me several times before it sinks in. What can I say? She obviously doesn't hang on every word that I've said over 48 years. And I must admit, it happens to me too. You read the Bible over and over again, and all of a sudden, something pops out you've never seen before. I have picked up a book out of my library, thinking I've never read it, opened it up, and my notes are all over the pages. So you can't trust what you're hearing or what you're remembering. Pastor Schaff may teach or preach something, some familiar passage out of the Bible, and I sit there and I go, wow, I never heard that before. Hello, wasn't I paying attention? Well, yeah, I was. But sometimes we don't. And I'm sure the same thing has happened to you with biblical truths in teaching and preaching. And it's not that we're ignorant or that we're deficient or stubborn about God's word. It's just sometimes we may not not pay attention. Or maybe sometimes we filter out the information and our minds wander and we don't hear God's truth. Maybe, on occasion, we don't want to hear the truth because we can't handle the truth. Whatever the situation is, the disciples obviously had the same problem. I mean, how many times did Jesus tell them he was gonna be betrayed, he would suffer, he would die and rise on the third day? Do you remember that conversation about Jesus' identity? In Matthew 16, Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. (laughs) Peter had a revelation about the truth of Jesus as the Messiah. And verse 21 of that passage says, from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And after that, Peter turns around and rebukes Jesus, trying to stop him to go to the cross as the Messiah. You know, you get it and you don't get it. Sometimes we don't get the truth, even if it comes from the Lord's own mouth. Several times in the Gospels, Jesus said, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be destroyed or be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. When Jesus finally did rise from the grave, the angel at the tomb had to confirm Jesus' words to the confused women. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still with you in Galilee? This is my emphasis. I'm sure the angel was a little frustrated. The son of man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Hello. And Luke tells us, and they remembered his words. (laughs) My wife is right. It takes several times to hear a truth before it sinks in. We all have the same problem. And the women go and share their revelations with the all-powerful disciples, and what do they do? Ah, wives' tales. The guys on the Emmaus Road, they were wallowing in grief until Jesus gave them a revelation through the breaking of the bread. Then later on in the upper room, Jesus physically appears. He forgives them. He breathes on them and he says to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. You've got to know your Bible, people of God. You've got to study God's word so you will get it. Then Luke adds this statement. Then he opened up their inner being that they might fully bring together the scriptures. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Finally, the men got it, right? Last but not least. And this is a great lesson and a comfort for us today. If you continually study God's word and faithfully gather together, we'll eventually get it, one way or another. But Jesus dying and rising from the grave is half the story. There's more revelation to come. Jesus taught a lot about his suffering, death, and resurrection, but he didn't go into great depth about his ascension and exaltation. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. In John 16, Jesus said, "I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I will leave the world and go to the Father." And his disciples said to him, "See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech." The disciples thought they got it. They didn't get it. <laughs> they didn't. We talk a lot about Jesus, death and resurrection, but not much about His ascension. We think we really get it, we don't get it, we don't. What does Jesus' ascension and exaltation mean for you today? That's why we're here. You remember Jesus said, nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the advocate, The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So today we celebrate the rest of the story. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is talking about how they'll receive power. And now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they continually stared toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Another great revelation about the work of Jesus Christ. The incarnation of God the Son was his humiliation and his weakness under the shadow of the cross for you. And during that time, Jesus was locally present on this earth. And that's the life that we as followers of Christ live every day on earth in this flesh. Jesus gets it. The ascension of Christ was a physical, eyewitnessed, glorious revelation of all the completed work that Christ came to do for you. It's the revelation of God's power over the forces of this fallen world. The son of man ascends to the place of majesty on high far above all principalities and powers to fill all things according to his divine and his human nature. This is an active dominion. It is triumphal omnipresence. Big words, good theology. That's why the Lord can be sacramentally present here in the bread and the wine for you. And then the Lord pours out his Trinitarian glory, power, and blessing into his special people. And he creates a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a new dwelling place a new temple and a glorious city in and through you. By his death, his resurrection and ascension, Christ became life-giving flesh. He makes the body divine and restores our true humanity through our baptism. Glorious, the glorious Trinitary, Trinity that was active in Christ is now active in you as God's people. You didn't just die and rise with Christ. You have ascended, and you are partaker of Christ's glorious body. As St. Peter says, you have koinonia with Christ's divine nature. It's amazing stuff. St. Paul teaches But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why St. Paul tells us we don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. If then you were raised with Christ, he says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And listen to this. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Oh, my word. Now, that's a revelation that you can get excited about. That's what Christ did for you. And since you are a new creation, you are partakers in union and communion of the glorified body of Christ and seated in the heavenly places in Christ, you should get it. As our Lutheran confession says, we hold that in his church and congregation on earth, he is present as mediator, head, king, and high priest, not in part or one half of him only, but the entire person of Christ is present to which both natures belong, the divine and the human. Not only according to his divinity, but also according to and with his assumed nature according to which he is our brother, and we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. Oh, wow. Union and communion in Christ. So if you are a new creation, gloriously filled with God's power over all of your enemies, engrafted into Christ's mystical body, seated in the heavenly realms in Christ, why don't you get it? How many times do you have to hear these truths before your soul burns with the compulsion to spread the good news of Jesus Christ? You know, the disciples, they learned in stages You look look at their lives and you kind of feel bad for them. They're a little pathetic. Jesus helped them through their misunderstanding, their misinterpretation, even their resistance. He patiently taught them over and over again. He proved his truth by many signs, wonders, and miracles. He rebuked them. He forgave them. He breathed on them and miraculously opened their understanding to finally put the pieces together. But the triumphal, energizing motivation came after the ascension and exaltation and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Christ's ascension made the death and resurrection applicable to you as his people. And you received all of that at your baptism. Believe it or not, the commitment to baptismal life gives us a passionate desire for ongoing catechism in Bible study, a consistent weekly hunger and thirst for the glorious sacrament of Christ's body and blood for you, and faithful adherence to his teaching to fervently love his church. But we have to hear these revelational truths over and over before it kicks in. Yes, dear, you are right. Now let me demonstrate what I mean. This is a sneak attack. I've done this in a couple of other churches. You probably heard these scriptures. Be patient with me. Matthew 10, do not fear, therefore, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. Do you ever experience fear? Matthew 18, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Do you carry the pain of personal offense from somebody? Mark 11, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your heavenly Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Do you withhold forgiveness? Ephesians 4, this is my translation. Let no rotten word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you ever use vulgar, Nasty, angry, or negative language? Are you grieving the Holy Spirit of the living God? Ephesians 4, another one. Good. This is a good one. Do let do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do you ever go to bed angry with anyone? Anywhere? Do you hold a grudge overnight? This is my favorite. I've pulled this on everybody. This is like soft target stuff. Ephesians 4. Don't be anxious about anything. Oh, it always gets you, right? Don't be anxious about anything. That's pretty absolute. Do you ever get anxious? Do You see what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes we don't get the truth, even if it comes from the Lord's own mouth. And you can't use the excuse, oh, that's just who I am. Well, that's not true. Or I'm a poor, miserable sinner like we confess every Sunday, and that's just the way it is. You know what I would say to that? Forget about it. It's a personal joke. It's like St. Paul teaches in Colossians. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. How many times do you have to hear God's truth before you get it? We're all in the same boat here. Thank God we are in Christ in heavenly places despite our weaknesses and our sin, hallelujah. Our Heavenly Father is patient and compassionate toward his children. Jesus died for us when we were still dead in our trespasses. We're justified despite our guilt we are sanctified despite our sin. We are chosen and forgiven despite our unworthiness. We're made vessels of honor and glory despite our broken lives. We are made we are in union with the Lord despite our individualistic selfishness. We are ascended We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places by grace in the spirit. And I pray that you would get it, that you would live it, and that you would share it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.